0: Welcome back, everybody. I am super excited for today's episode because we are going to be talking about how to start and scale your own successful real estate brokerage. And I'm sure a lot of agents are going to be interested in this because I think that is a really reasonable and good career trajectory for a lot of agents, which is to go on and start their own successful brokerages. But I want to kind of introduce my guest first uh, here today and uh, just to kind of list off some of the things in his resume. So our guest today has sold over 400 homes as a solo agent before he started his brokerage. He has now since started his own real estate brokerage of over 270 agents that has sold over 1,500 houses in just the span of three years. And he is the owner of Become Better Brokerage, a consulting firm helping real estate brokerages uh, scale, recruit, and retain agents. But without further ado, I want to bring on my guest, Alan Kushmakoff. Alan, welcome to the show what's up kobe how are you doing brother i am doing amazing thank you for uh for asking and thank you for being on the show i'm super excited for this and uh yeah i mean for for people who don't know who you are or who who might not have seen some of the stuff that you're putting out there your your different social media channels what uh you know would you mind kind of just breaking down your story how you got to this point you know what got you started in real estate and uh you know your your trajectory of becoming a, a real estate broker owner
1: yeah, man. So, so the story actually started back in 1990. That's when uh, we were able to, uh, as refugees from former Soviet Union, arrive to the United States, and uh, we ended up in New York City. Uh, luckily, uh, my my dad's aunt lived there for many many years, and uh, she was our sponsor. So I was 12 years old, and um, uh, two siblings, my parents, with like 550 dollars in our pockets. You know, didn't speak any any English, uh, nothing, uh, no place to live. And, um, the first year and a half to two years probably were the most challenging ones for us for many different reasons, financially, and then obviously not knowing English, me going to school and, you know, that age, age 12, 13, 14, the kids are probably the most cruelest when it comes to, uh, you know, comments and everything like that. So that was, that was tough. Um, got my first job at age 13. I was, uh, handing out flyers for $1.50 an hour outside of the shopping mall. That's what I did. And since then, I always had a job, went to obviously school, uh, went to college, didn't finish college, uh, was really kind of focused on, on, on working and just generating income for myself, was always you know, passionate about the business side of things, entrepreneurship. So um, didn't get a degree, but I got an actual a basic degree in computer software and computer science. And that led me to a a job at a software company called Popkin Software. Um, And then they were acquired eventually for Vital Logic. Worked there for a few years as a software consultant. And then in 2003, I decided to make my journey to Phoenix, Arizona. So that was about 20 years ago. 20 years ago with the company. And uh, what happened a couple of a uh, couple of months later, uh, the company got bought out by a different company. And that company said, you know what, every single consultant that is working remotely is going to be back working from centralized place, which was New York City. I didn't want to go back to the New York City. I was there for about 13 years of my life. It's a great place to go and visit. And I still have a lot of family, still have a lot of friends. But as far as the hustle and bustle and, and raising a family, that's not something that I really wanted to do. So I just decided to quit and said to myself, you know what? I'll find another sales job. I'll find another consulting job. They'll pay me $200,000 a year. <laughs> Boy, was that wrong. I uh, wasn't able to get anything close to that. And uh, tried a couple of different gigs. Didn't really kind of enjoy them. And then my brother-in-law followed me with my sister. They moved to Arizona a few months later. And my brother-in-law started working for a limo business, right? And he started driving. So one day he approached me. And he's like, "Hey, Alan, like, why don't you like, uh, uh, you know, start maybe doing some of the limo work with me?" And I said, "Dude, I'm not a limo driver." He's like, "Well, why don't we maybe start this and then open up our own business?" And I said, "All right, cool, let's do that." So we started a business with two cars. Gradually, we grew. In three years, we went from two cars to 24 vehicles, did over two million dollars in revenue. And then 2008 happened, as you know, uh, 2008, the Great Recession. Phoenix market uh, affected big time in terms of the real estate. I mean, it's cratered, essentially. The prices went down as much as 65 70% in some of the areas. I I lost pretty much everything. I almost lost my company. We had 40 full-time, part-time employees. Most of them had to be uh, laid off. Half of my cars were repossessed by banks. Um, I owed personally about half a million dollars. Uh, to creditors. Um, And uh, all of my investment properties were under the water, lost all of that. And then I was about to lose our our personal home, my wife and I. And, um, you know, she was pregnant with our second child, Zach. And the hardest part about that whole situation was the fact that she was stressing out, we didn't have any money, I was trying to figure out what to do with the business, whatever was left with it. And um, I said, you know what, your family lives in New York, Why don't you go there? You know, I want you to be with them while I figure out what to do with the home situation. And she went there when she was about six and a half, seven months pregnant. And she gave birth to our son there and I was not there. And I was not there because I was trying to get things done here. And I didn't financially was able to go there because I didn't have the money for the tickets. So that was probably the lowest point of my life, if you will. And it really learned it taught me uh, a very, very interesting lesson and many different lessons, you know, but one of them is the fact that you know, I did not give up. I was able to get the company up and running again. We shifted our model from retail to providing executive services to uh, big companies. And in 2012, I sold that company, took a little sabbatical, and then in 2013, that's why I got my real estate license. I always wanted to become a real estate agent, but every time I would talk to somebody who was in real estate or worked with a real estate agents like you know what they're not making that much money most of them are struggling most of them are not really making that much money and all of that stuff so finally I decided to um, get into the business and uh, got my license and the first six months were very very difficult um, personally my dad was diagnosed with with cancer um, I was stressing out about that financially we're not doing that well uh, three kids under age of five my daycare bill alone was $2,100 a month. My mortgage was another $2,000 a month. My two-car payments was $1,000 a month. So $5,000 could be going out every single month, and I was not making any money. Then on top of it, I decided to focus on the most difficult lead source that is out there, which is expires and cancel listings. I don't know if you ever worked expires and canceled listings. They're great, don't get me wrong, if you know what you're doing. It takes time but, man, I was calling them, cold calling them, and I was getting rejected left and right. Man. People were mean. People were abusive verbally. Like I went through a lot of ordeal with that. And I was not getting any traction. And then finally, I started booking some some listing appointments, and I would go, and I would just bomb because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to present myself. I didn't have a presentation, not of that stuff, and I was not able to even handle a basic objection. Like, how long you've been in business? And I'm like, uh, three months, four months. I'm like, dude, like we had our listing with this agent. He's been in business for 18 years. So he couldn't sell it. You think you can sell it after being a real estate agent for two months, three months, right? Just basic stuff like that. But again, I did not give up, right? My goal that year, I was like, man, I got to make $60,000 so I can pay my bills. That was my plan. Like agents sometimes ask me, it's like, hey, what was your plan your your first year in business? I said, my plan, honestly, was not to F up. Like I needed to make 60 grand so I can survive. So the back end of that year, I was able to close on 16 transactions, doubled my production my second year to 35, hired an assistant, then went to 75 transactions with an assistant my year number three in 2015, started generating buyer leads, um, you know, Buyer leads are fine, but I just didn't feel like driving around the valley. Phoenix is huge. It's spread out. Um, and showing homes um, and just basically wasting two and a half, three hours to show like one or two houses, right? So I hired four showing assistants. That worked out very well for me. It was a very profitable model. Out of those four showing assistants, I hired one agent, a uh, full-time agent, then added four more. And here I am, a team leader thinking I'm going to build an empire. So the first year as a team leader, I'm thinking, you know what? They're all going to sell 25, 30 homes each. Um, You know, I'm going to make $500,000 and I'm going to have a great, great life as a team leader. And, you know, uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Or at least in my situation, it didn't work that way. Uh, I remember that year, which is 2016, those five agents combined sold like 11 homes. Like I sold 87 by my and they did like 11. And at the end of the year, one left, four of them were gone. And I decided to double down and I hired 10 people the next, next year. Uh, same thing happened. Seven left, uh, three remained. And I said, man, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. Like two years in a row as a team leader, I'm spending time, energy, resources, I'm paying for all these leads and nothing is happening. What's going on? And finally, through some coaching, I was able to figure things out. And my third year, that's when we started growing. And my third year, by the end of the third year, I had 15 agents. We did over 200 transactions. And things were definitely looking up. And then I realized that I started losing some of these agents, stop producing agents, because they outgrew the team. They wanted more. They wanted to build their own brand. They didn't want to pay two commission splits, which is the team split and the brokerage split. And I was losing these agents. And to bring similar type of agents, it's tough when you're a team leader, because most of the time as a team leader, you're attracting newer agents and experienced agents are the ones that are struggling in their business.
0: Yeah. So that's actually a really great story of, you know, how you came, came across like the opportunity to open your own brokerage. So kind of like if you don't mind just walking through that, you know, that decision, right? So we always hear about, you know, kind of like indie industry, people who want to scale and grow their own business, you yeah. know, to think about should they start their team or just grow a big team or should they just grow, you know, just go on their own, and open a brokerage. So, you know, obviously, you know, there was some factors in there that, you know, drove you towards one direction over the other. So for anybody else who's kind of in that position, you know, what would you say to that? You know, the, the rewards obviously are paying off for, you know, opening your own brokerage.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the team model.
0: Uh, and and to be honest with you, if I
1: would be able to kind of figure out a few things on a team side of things, most likely I would still be a team. But there are three reasons why I decided to, to to launch my own brokerage. Number one, I was losing producing agents to my brokerage and to other brokerages. And it was very difficult for me to replicate that. I would bring a newer agent. But the problem with a newer agent, as you know, Kobe, it takes time for them to develop. And not all of them are going to be producers, right? So I was going through that cycle for about six or seven months. I was like, man, I just lost about 30, 40% of my revenue because I had four or five agents leaving me. And there's no way I can bring that revenue right away. It will take some time. The second thing I was looking at is like, okay, well, you know what? Um, I see, you know, my mortgage company, they're doing phenomenally well with my business. I see my title company doing phenomenally well with my business. I would like to have a piece of that. And I was not able to do that as a team leader. Uh, And the third thing, which was the most important, I think, was the fact that, look, if I'm going to be attracting agents to be part of my organization, right, if I'm going to be developing these agents, if I'm going to be spending time and effort and resources and getting these agents up and running and helping them to grow, right, which, by the way, that's what I love to do, Um, might as well build something that eventually, whether it's 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road or 20 years down the road, is a sellable asset right? There is uh, uh, an exit strategy that is in place where you cannot really do that with the team, unfortunately, you know, and I looked at different angles, having a team and possibly selling a team that the more I looked and the more I asked, you know, almost impossible to do, or you're not getting the same type of a multiple as you would get as far as the brokerage. So those are kind of like the main three reasons was that, and of course, Opportunity for my agents to grow as well. You know the main reason why the agents were leaving is like, look, Alan, we we love everything that you have to offer. We we love the culture. We like the team, but we want to do our own thing. We want to build our own teams. We want to develop our own brand. You know, we want to do what you are essentially doing, which is great, and that's how it's supposed to be. So I didn't really as a team leader, didn't give them that opportunity for growth, I felt like. And with the brokerage, I can attract different types of agents, team leaders, stock producers, experienced agents, new agents, which I was not able to do as a team leader.
0: Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. And I think you mentioned a point in there where I don't think a lot of people think about, which is the exit strategy. And you know, as real estate agents, whether if you're an individual agent or even, like you said, a team leader, there's not really a, an exit strategy for you to sell your business like you would be able to if you know you had your own brokerage or like you said your own asset
1: yeah i mean that was that was the main driver you know because ultimately like we're 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 building a business right you know and um you know the business that um hope, hopefully is not solely dependent on you and your personal production and you being a rainmaker right um and i see a lot of teams where a team leader is still in production and still a rainmaker which is perfectly fine um you know, I was in production, you know, for quite some time as a team leader, even year number three, when I felt like I can kind of phase out out of being production, then I had like four or five of my agents leave and I was like, oh shit, 30, 40% of my revenue is gone. I got to go back into the production, right? So it's just kind of like a vicious cycle. So the only way to really hedge against that is to grow either a huge team where if let's say three, four or five people leave and you still have about 50 or 60 agents on your team, right or you build a brokerage where the same thing like if few people leave you still have about 50 60 70 100 agents that are producing
0: yeah absolutely so let's kind of talk a little bit about uh if you don't mind the the actual attracting agent piece of it right so you mentioned yeah. you know when you're uh, that's one of the one of the things that you're really passionate about that you really like doing is attracting agents and uh helping them develop into you know their own you know in, into their own if you will so you know, what is kind of like your strategy when you first started your brokerage to start bringing agents on? Because, you know, as we all know, you know, brokerage, they need agents to actually come on board in order for it to, you know, start playing into its, its strengths.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, as, as a brokerage owner, our, our number one role, um, and also I think as a, as a team leader, um, your number one role is to attract and recruit agents, right? Um, then you develop those agents. And then, of course, you create a culture where those agents can flourish, um, I think the first and foremost, really, and when when I when I coach and consult uh, brokerage owners and team leaders, like really identifying your ideal agent profile, like who is your agent, who is your ideal agent avatar, if you will, right? For us, we have three, right? We have you know IAP one, IAP two, and IAP three. IAP one for us is a is a producing agent. Now that can be a top producing agent, but producing agent is consistently producing deals, right? You know, IAP2 is somebody who is experienced agent, but but looking for some consistency in their business, right? And then IAP3 is a brand new agent that needs that extra layer of mentorship, training, and handholding, right? So all of these three, right, if you think about it, they're in three different buckets, independent, interdependent, and dependent, right? They all have different value propositions that we have to offer to them, right? For example, a brand new agent if you're gonna talk about, for example, building a true business, if you're gonna talk about systems and multiple lead sources, they would be like, what? Like, dude, I just wanna get my business started. Like, wh- what can I do? I just wanna close my first deal, right? So your value proposition to the brand new agent has to be all about, hey, you know, you can kind of come part, part of our environment. You're gonna get that extra layer of mentorship, training, support. You'll have access to maybe some of our leads, right? But we're really going to be investing in you. We're going to be investing in your business. We're going to be investing in your education, in your marketing, making sure that you have all the tools and resources to really jumpstart your business as quickly as possible. The more you wait or the more time passes by that you're not generating any income, the more likelihood you're going to go out there and get a part-time job and that part-time job becomes a full-time job, right? So really the first thing we do is, is figure out what, your uh, ideal agents looking for, right? Message to market is very, very important because if you're going to have the same message to all kinds of agents out there, that messaging is not really going to resonate. So figure out who's your agent, number one. Number two, what is your value proposition to that agent? And that's beyond the splits, beyond the compensation plan, right? So that's 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 number two. Um, and then number three, I mean, really have the conviction in terms of like, like meeting with them, figuring out what their pain point is, where they wanna go, take their business and see if you can be able to bridge that gap. And that can be with your mentorship, with your training, with your environment that you have in your organization, it can be the tools, can be the resources, can be the leads, whatever their pain point is, try to figure out how you're gonna be able to you know, break that gap or bridge that gap between where they at right now and where they want to go?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just like you know working with a client, right? You're trying right. to figure out who the ideal uh, ideal client is, or in this case the ideal agent avatar is. And then you're just trying to essentially provide them with value so you can bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to go. exactly. and and that's why,
1: for example, when 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 let's say for I, I have a conversation with an agent, I always lead with questions. When I meet with an agent, I always lead with questions like our half an hour meeting, 45 minute meeting, 90 percent of it is like them talking and I'm just asking questions. I really would like to get a like ideally a full picture, right, of their pain points, you know, all the things that they're working on, the things that they want to improve on, the areas of their business. Right. And then and then and then and then after all of that said, I will then share our value proposition and how it's going to be able to help them in a system in their business growth.
0: Right. Absolutely. Right. Because if you don't know what they're, you know, what they want, then how can you know if it matches up, you know, to what you have? So it's no. all about them. Right. And, they, and that's what they care about. It's, you know, how can you help me not so much if you're the best or if you're number one, it's what do you have that can actually help me bridge the gap? Absolutely. You know, one, you know, even on a cold calls, uh, let's say, for example, if let's say I would make a cold call, right?
1: It's all about, hey, I would like to learn about you. I would like to learn about your business. And if you're interested, I'll share a little bit about our company. That's it. But really, honestly, I just want to learn about you and your business. What right. makes you stand out? Right. So that's really kind of my pitch. And and and, and honestly, I want to learn about them. Because not every single agent is going to be a good fit for us and our culture, right? I mean, there are certain agents that I met with, and I felt initially that they're going to be a good fit for us. And then I realized that they were not. So it's it's all about learning about them, about their business, what's really ticked them, right? What's really kind of like, you know, like affecting their business growth in their business it can be many different reasons, by the way. But by you leading with questions is definitely the way to go.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And you're actually you're actually right on the money there when you were talking about uh, not every agent is actually going to be a good fit. And by asking questions, that's how you can find out whether or not you'll be essentially, you know, it doesn't sound the best, but essentially like wasting your time and investing your time into an individual agent who they might not be the best fit, they might not be somebody who will work well with you and your brokerage and your environment. So leading with questions, definitely a great tip for anybody looking to kind of go out there and attract agents to their team and their brokerage.
1: Yeah, man. And and I think that a lot of times we as team leaders and brokerage owners do the opposite because we're so proud of our our value proposition. We're so proud of all the tools and the resources that we have. We just lead with that, you know, and we're kind of almost going to like feature dumping on someone or benefits dumping on someone, right? And we just overwhelm the conversation with all the things that we do. But here's the reality. Every brokerage pretty much just does exactly the same thing. Every brokerage has got a CRM. Every brokerage has got the resources, marketing, and all of that stuff, right?
0: So it's not about that. It's about them. Yep, absolutely. I love it. Just make it all about the person you're talking to. Because, you know, when you're benefiting something, you know, people are not listening, right? They're not even they're not even open to hearing what you have to say. I think the the great quote is like, people don't, they don't, care about how much you know until they know how much you care so exactly. and that's a great way yeah. to show you care yeah. is by yeah. by asking questions
1: yeah and then there's another quote i think nobody wants to be sold but everybody wants to buy yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely right absolutely. <laughs> so so anyways but but i love it man
0: yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's absolutely right there. And just, I mean, I guess like without revealing, you know, too much of kind of what goes on behind the scenes, I think a lot of people will want to know, you know, how are you actually getting in front of agents? You know, there's probably just like client uh, lead generation, there's probably like over a hundred or a thousand ways to get in front of people and generate agent leads or I guess agent prospects in this case. So what are some things that you've kind of found that would, you know, that you you guys are using in your, your brokerage that are, you know, really kind of working in terms of, you know, getting in front of agents to, you know, potentially ask them more about, you know, how their business is?
1: Yeah, our, our top three in the last three years have um, been um, job postings. And we really kind of figured out how to do that at a large scale. Um, the second thing are events that we do on a monthly basis. Um, these are trainings, masterminds, lunch Learn and Grow's, uh, for example, we have one, uh, coming up next week on Wednesday on April 12th, where we have about, I think close to like 87, or 80, 80, 88 RSVPs for that one. Uh, we actually stopped promoting it because we don't have a room. Like we are just like, shit, like, you know, like we, we, we got to stop this or we're just not going to have enough seats. Right. Um, so, so it's just one of those things. So we, we probably get anywhere between. Uh, three to five agents every single month from our job posts. Okay. And usually we'll attract the newer agents or agents that are less experienced or struggling agents. Uh, we attract anywhere between three to five agents from our events. So events are usually marketed not only to our agents, but more importantly, are marketed to all the agents, you know, outside of our brokerage. Right. And these agents come and we spend about five minutes or so talking about the brokerage. You know, there are agents here as well. So they meet with our agents, they meet with our staff as well. And then obviously there's going to be some sort of a training or a mastermind, something going on, right? And typically by the end of that event, we'll have two, three, four, five people that will give their business cards or will ask more about, hey, what are your commission splits? Every time there's a question about commission splits or compensation package means there's a good chance they're considering joining you, right? Um, so we get a lot of those. So those are our two, top two. And the third one are agent referrals, our own agents. So we do have a revenue share uh, within the company. Uh, it's not you know, seven levels deep or five levels deep. Uh, hopefully one day we'll have that. Uh, but, but right now it's one level deep and we probably get about you know, one to two agents, sometimes three agents a month from, from the agent referrals and sponsorships as well.
0: That's awesome. So that's actually really good. I think not a lot of people leverage events and job postings as, yeah. you know, lead generation sources, right? So those are actually really good to, to start generating, you know, agent prospects and getting in front of people because, you know, agents love to attend free trainings, get in front of, you know, rooms of other people in the industry and, uh, you know, start networking. So that's actually a really great way. I don't think a lot of people have have thought about.
1: Yeah. And, and there are many other ways. I mean, you know, cold calling is another way of doing it. Um, it's just not something that I really, you know, uh, enjoy, to be honest with you. I can. I was able to build my business that way initially as a real estate agent, but it's, it's a grind, man, you know, call calling agents every day, five days a week. uh, It's tough. And I know like just talking to the brokerage owners and the team leaders, that's not one of their core competencies. That's not one of their core strengths, you know, call calling agents and, and, and chasing agents and trying to get their attention. So we try to attract agents and we do a lot of social media stuff as well. You know, I don't know how many agents we get through social media, we started getting some really good traction with the e- with our emails, so we're really doubled down the last six months on the copy. You know, so we're sending things like four or five times a week now. A lot of educational content, uh, a lot of stuff that we do in terms of the video repurposing, the, the workshops that we're doing, and also maybe once every two two weeks or so, call to action. You know, uh, grab a call with me uh, or grab a call with Melissa, our director of operations, for example. You know, so we started doing them as well. And we're seeing some traction there too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what I got out of that was, you know, follow up, right. Following up with people who are um, essentially already in the funnel, if you will, already interested. And just like, you know, with, just like with client uh, lead generation, right. Following up, making sure you're matching up your timing with their timing. That's how you're going to get in front of the most people and how you're going to be able to essentially recruit or attract the most amount of agents.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's so important. I mean, we got probably about two, two and a half thousand people, um, agent list, email list right now. And like, it's, it's, it's amazing to see how like about seven months ago, eight months ago, it was like at around 20% open rate right now. It's like close to 50% open rate, right? That means we're doing our job in providing enough value. So they're keep opening those emails. Right. So now the next step for me is like, all all these people are opening up emails so maybe I should hire somebody like an SDR or an ISA who can call them and just start inviting them to meet with me.
0: Yeah. There's an opportunity there. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Always growing, right? Always absolutely. always growing and changing. Yeah. yeah. So I think another another um another point that I think a lot of people want to know, especially if they're, you know, leading their own team or running their own brokerage, is and I think this is really relevant kind of in this in this market if you will with all you know all the noise going on and everybody will have their own opinions, but you know, I think this is a, a year where a lot of people who maybe have been in the real estate business since the last, you know, 2008, 2009, are seeing that there could be potentially, you know, a, I guess, a problem with attrition. And, you know, how are you, you know, kind of, guess, shifting or pivoting? Or what are some of the things you guys are doing within your brokerage to not just retain agents, but also motivate them and kind of push them past, you know, potentially volatile market and develop them into actual successful, you know, real estate entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, that's an awesome question. So, they're like, there are three pillars, right? I think, really, in my opinion, when it comes to running a successful brokerage or successful team, right? So, agent attraction/slash recruiting is one, agent development is two, and then agent retention is three. Um, and agent retention is really where like we got to focus on on our end as much as we focus on the agent attraction and, and, and recruiting piece of it, right? Um, I think honestly, you know, it's all about what you do in terms of your culture. Like we every day, my thing is I lead with value and and, and being a resource to my agents. Like every day I text my agents, not all of my agents, but five agents. And I say, hey, I was thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. Hope your business is doing well. What can I do on my end to help you grow your business? That's it. And the last six, seven months, that's exactly what I've been doing, right? Because you're absolutely right. The, the market has been shifting and we did have agents that are no longer with us. Now, most of those agents, if you look at our numbers, most of those agents are non producing agents. You know, um, they just decided to go get a job, right? Or get a full-time job instead of a part-time job. Or like we had a, a good portion of our agents that did not even renew their Their memberships with our association, right, in the beginning of the year. And I was like, oh, like, man, that's like seven agents, nine agents, ten agents just gone like that, right? So it's going to happen. And it's going to happen with every brokerage. And when I, you know, when when I when I talk to broker owners out there, it's like, look, attrition is going to happen. The turnover is going to be there, right? If you bring on 10 agents and you stop recruiting, there's a good chance by the end of the year, three of them are going to be gone. There's a good chance. And it's not because of you, it's because of many other situations. You know, I had a top producing agent in 2021. She did 17 million. Last year, she did 6 million. Um, not because it was just a market. It was, she had some personal issues. She had some health issues. Things are going to happen. And it's out of our control as the leaders. What we can control as leaders is to constantly look for that talent. And continue to build that bench. That's the only thing that we can do. The only way we can predict the growth of our company, whether it's a down market, it's a great market, is by bringing more agents and retaining those agents. Agents you bring will generate more business for you, they generate more revenue for you, right? The training piece of it is important. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes we have a tendency of overtraining our agents. We have a tendency of over KPIing our agents, um, tracking this, tracking that. Um, honestly, if the agent wants to sell three houses a year, he's not gonna show up to the trainings. Like they're just not gonna do it. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, how many donuts you offer in front of them, ain't gonna happen. Like but we have agents that are doing three deals a year, and you know what? We're happy. they're happy. that's 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 what they want to do. They want to make an additional 25 grand. Awesome. Great. You know, but that's additional two grand that we make on it or three grand on it. That's fine. Right. So, so going back to your, it's, it's all about, again, it's all about continually replenishing your, your pipeline, continuing to building a bench. And it has to be a bench of experienced agents, producing agents and also newer agents, because again, producing agents, some of them will experience personal situations We'll experience health situation. We'll, we'll be in a position where they're going to say, you know what, I don't need to produce that much. I don't need to sell five, six, seven, eight houses every single month for whatever reason. And you got to have a strong bench of up and coming agents that can take over.
0: Right. I love that. I love the way you phrased it, building your bench, right? It's just like, you know, the analogy of like a sports team, right? You have your star players, quote unquote, but without your bench, and a lot of people don't even, you know, think about their bench or, you know, Plan for that, but you know, what if you're like you're saying, like what if somebody has like a personal situation, right? Somebody who is, you know, looking to maybe even retire from the industry, right? If you don't have a strong bench, if you're not covering all of your bases, then that's how you know a business goes from you know maybe doing really well or or you know growing to potentially flatlining or even declining.
1: Yeah, and we have these conversations with our coaching clients because someone knows, like, look, we're looking for quality. What does that mean? Well, we're looking for experienced agents, producing agents i know that's all fine and dandy but but first of all experience agents they have many different options experience agents they will dictate their terms experience agents if they don't like something they will move somewhere else okay and also experience agents will it doesn't mean that for example they're going to continue to ascend in in their business or in their production there're going to be some some down months and down years so you got to have a bench right and these are newer agents And that's what I love about the job boards is because that for the most part, it attracts newer agents. But then if you got the right training, if you provide the right type of resources, the tools, if you have the right type of culture in place, those newer agents can become top producing agents. We have agents that came to us about a year ago and they're already like listing five or six houses a month. I have a 22-year-old that has six listings. I have a 20 year old that closed four listings last month. Like these are brand new agents that some other brokers will say, you know what? I don't want to touch them because they're brand new. They're young. Whatever the reason is, we take them. We provide them the tools. We provide them the resources. We mentor them. And guess what? They're ascending in their business and they're going to be with us hopefully for many years to come. The average, like lifespan of an agent, I, I read this somewhere in a brokerage, but it's also like with us, if you look at our agents, is almost three years. So think about it. If you have an agent and that agent does on average, I don't know, 10000 or fifteen or $20,000 a year for your brokerage or your team, that's like $30,000, dollars $50,000 in three years in revenue.
0: Yeah. I like, I like that you're, you mentioned the, uh, the new agents on your team that are really doing well because I think a big portion of uh, broker owners and team leaders do overlook that. They overlook the new agents. They overlook the less experienced people. You know, whether if it's in business or you know, you're talking about like just in life. You know, you mentioned the 22 year old and the 20 year old. They will overlook that, and I think that's a big mistake on their part because I've heard all the time that you know the top producers of tomorrow are the brand new agents getting licensed today. Kobe,
1: I don't know how long you've been in business, but I've been in business for 10 years. I got my license in 2013. I was a brand new agent. We all started as brand new. Now, I know, you know, um, the, the, the failure rate is very high, right? I get it, but but that's the cost of doing business. Like, if you really truly think about it, right? From the, from the, from the um, financial standpoint of things, let's be real. Agents do not really cost you that much money. You don't have to worry about the payroll. There's no hourly pay. There's no salary. There's no worker scum i mean most of the brokers right now are virtual if you think about it right like so like you don't have to worry about those things so agent is not really costing you that much money well you can say well you know what they take my time they ask questions but typically if they ask questions they take your time that means they have something brewing there's something going on they're probably working with a buyer with the seller, like we just had somebody that we hired last week, brand new agent, Vanessa. And she walked in this afternoon before our podcast and she has a listing agreement in front of her. She went out there and she got a listing. We helped her with the comps a couple of days ago and now she's got a listing, brand new agent.
0: Yep, absolutely. And I love that, right? If somebody's asking you questions, that means something's brewing. It's a good thing. You should be happy that you know your new agents are asking you questions and quote unquote taking your time because it means they're the ones that are really going to they're self motivated right they're actually doing something versus the person you never hear from. They're probably not gonna do much right unless
1: it, it, exactly but we we have to have all the mixture of all of this right That's why I'm saying like we have. Three rosters, if you will. We have independent, interdependent, and dependent. And by the way, we have three different models, compensation models for those three. For brand new agents, we're at 50-50 split. So yes, because they take a little bit more of our time, more energy, but for that, we're getting compensated with 50% of their commission for the first six transactions. So if their commission is $10,000, we made five grand. They closed six deals, that's $30,000. The $30,000 my company would not have if I said, you know what, I'm just gonna be focusing on experienced agents that have been in business for X number of years, and they're doing five or six deals a year.
0: Absolutely. You gotta look for these opportunities out there. And a lot of people are missing out on them just because of, I guess, whatever prejudices that, that exist within the industry. Uh, but no, I, I love what you mentioned, you know, even earlier before that, you know, you got your license. There was a a point in time where you were a brand new agent and you, you became you, right? You became Alan or just a different version of Alan 10 years later. And if they never took a chance, they never would have gotten you.
1: Dude, I can share with you countless stories like the, 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 the lunch and learn that we're doing on Wednesday. It's one of our agents. His name is Kenneth Cano. When I our producing agents, he started with me about four years ago on my team as a brand new agent. This guy right now has nine Airbnbs, and he's doing half a million dollars in revenue from Airbnbs alone. And he only started about a year and a half ago doing Airbnbs. And eight out of those nine, Kobe, he does not even own rental arbitrage. Rental arbitrage. He's 28 years old. He wears Rolex, okay? And it's not about Rolex. It's the fact that this guy, all right, four years ago, bought in into what we're doing. This guy is super coachable. He takes action, never overthinks things, right? And guess what? He's doing half a million dollars in revenue from nine Airbnbs alone. That's not including the flips that he does and selling real estate. Brand new agent four years ago.
0: Yep. Absolutely. The talent they come from everywhere, right? And I think you mentioned a good point in there as well, which is you noticed he was very coachable. And I guess that's another piece of it is as leaders, you know, it's hard to, I guess, motivate people that are not able to get motivated. So how are you finding the the right balance between motivating somebody and pushing them, you know, getting them to be successful and just kind of noticing this person is just not self-motivated and maybe spend your time with somebody else who's easily easily coachable yeah man i can write a book on that <laughs> you should <laughs> oh
1: man i remember my first couple of years as a team leader man i just could not get i just could not understand why can't they just get it like it's common freaking sense like i'm showing you like i'm here i'm doing the walk and they would just not do it and then i realized like you said you know it's hard to motivate somebody right you can inspire them but it's all temporary if you think about it right Ultimately, they have to make that push themselves. They have to really want it on their end. So as leaders, I really truly believe our job is to create an environment where these agents um, can see the opportunities, take advantage of these opportunities, have access to the tools, to the resources, to the personnel, right? Um, But they the ones who actually have to take the initiative. So our job is to create that place, but our our, our job is not to constantly motivate somebody to do something that they're not prepared to do themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that old term or old saying, you can lead the horse to the well, but you cannot make it drink, right? And you do it, you try it, you have a conversation with them. um, And if they execute and implement, which is, that's the key implementation, then great. Uh, If they're not doing it, then you know what? you're not a babysitter. We're not your babysitters, right? We have a business to run.
0: Yep, absolutely. Right. Everybody's a, you know, an adult, right? I believe in all 50 states, you have to be at least 18 to get your real estate license. So, so, all real yeah. Estate, yeah. Yeah. so all real estate agents are adults. And I love it. Like you're not a babysitter, you have a business to run. And your job is to just basically lead the horse to the well, or, you know, kind of motivate them to go to the well on their own, but you, you can't and you shouldn't force them to drink. No, no, no. Our job is again to 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 build that environment, right, where they can
1: can can take action, right? Um, have the knowledge, have the information that they need. Um, you know, but but then they have to do that on their own. Like seriously, that's what they gotta do. And environment helps a lot. I think having a healthy, energetic, positive environment is very important. Um uh, but again, it really again comes down to the individual. The individual has to take action.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Well, Alan, I want to respect your time. I, uh, I really appreciate you being here. You shared a lot of value when it comes to not just building a brokerage, but also scaling it and maintaining it as well. So for our listeners out there who want to connect with you, who want to learn more about what you do, I know you're doing a lot in terms of consulting and coaching, not just for agents, but for uh, you know, broker owners and team leaders as well. What are some of the best places for uh, anybody to follow you or catch up with kind of some of the things that you're doing?
1: Yeah, man. Thanks so much. Um, um, social profiles, uh, Alan uh, That's um, IG, Facebook, Alan Um, We have two groups, private Facebook groups on on Facebook. One of them is Become Best Brokerage. Another one is Become Best Agent. That's a um, training group for the real estate agents. And um, websites, BecomeBestBrokerage.com. And then my brokerage website is Besthomesrealestate.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that Alan. I will make sure to leave it in the show notes and the description down below. So everybody can uh, easily access that. But I want to thank you again for being on the show and uh, before I let you go here, is there uh, any last thoughts, any last uh, tips and value you want to leave with the audience here?
1: No, man, I think you're amazing. Thank you so much for your questions. Your, your questions were really spot on. Um, appreciate you and being on your platform. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll do it again next time around, maybe on my podcast. How about awesome.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it, Alan. Thank you so much. And I'll thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next show. Take
1: care. Take care.